0: Good morning, everyone, and it's very nice to see you this morning, and this is the first Sunday in Lent, so I thought it would be good for us to think what is Lent all about, and uh, that is really what we're going to try and do during this service today. Um, We're going to start by having a verse from, this is Psalm 5 and verse 3. You won't exactly find this version in any translations because I've sort of taken bits and pieces from various ones just to make it uh, really relevant for us, but I've kept the total meaning. O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will direct my prayer to you and will look up and wait expectantly for your answer. O Lord, you will hear my voice Sorry, I'll start again. Oh Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will direct my prayer to you and will look up and wait expectantly for your answer. Let's stand and sing Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. minds to prayer and as we do so we just really want to acknowledge that Father God is with us right here this morning and that we come before him and it's awesome and miraculous that we can do that, that we can come before the God of creation and God who is reigned in courts of splendor. And speak to him. So let's now actually try to uh, just concentrate on that and clear our minds of other things. Just think about God and his presence and almost physically feel you're coming into his presence now. Our Father God, we thank you that you are here with us and that... Our prayers can come to you right here. Lord, we pray that this morning we will be able to really bring you our praise and worship and love. We pray that you will help us to use our thinking power to reflect on you. And on the sort of people you want us to be and to put ourselves right with you. Father God, we pray that you will help us to listen to you. We pray that we'll be people who are ready to change and not accept the old ways when you are showing us something new. So, Father God, we thank you that you are with us today and, Lord, we just want every part of this service to be something for you. And we pray this In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In our three little mini-reflections this morning, I want to uh, uh, read the Bible, and I want to share with you uh, a little bit from uh, this book that I spoke about uh, uh, last week, which is Lent for Everyone, Matthew, and it's year A, and if you haven't got it yet, sort of do get it, Um, and uh, it's absolutely tremendous, so I've used some of the thoughts Uh, that uh, Tom Wright has used uh, in my thinking for this service and what God would say to us. So Lent is a really special time. It's a time of us thinking. It remembers the the time Jesus was in the wilderness, really thinking about God and about his ministry. And we think of it as a time of quietness and a time for reflection. So a reflective service at the start of Lent is just great. So, first of all, we're going to think about reflecting and confessing, reflecting and confessing. So, uh, we're going to put uh, Psalm 32 up on the uh, screen, and uh, just listen as I read that to you. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. <clears throat> when I kept silent my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the waters rise they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in your heart. So... There I was. Uh, I'd been at a conference actually uh, for three days and I was travelling back from Paul in Dorset with a colleague and we were running out of fuel. And so we stopped on the M3 at the service station and I uh, filled up with petrol and was just about ready to go when I remembered that I was driving Philippa's car And it didn't, well done, Mace. it didn't take petrol, it took diesel. And, you know, you just... Now, if someone was in church here, someone who normally arranges these services on the reflector service, that is something he does pretty frequently, actually. And I sort of try and get him out of that little problem that he has. But don't tell him I told you. But um, it was a worry. So, of course, phone up the RAC, and it's not long before... Uh, a chap comes round and he uh, sucks all the diesel out um, he sort of washes somehow or other the inside of the tank and I can put petrol in and uh, the car is all clean inside and it's clean and free to go now that's a little good picture of what happens when we confess our sin we could sort of Plow on a little bit, maybe it would have worked. Actually, I, you know, he did say just you can just start it up so you can move away from the, you know, the petrol pumps. But you know, but it will gunk up your carburetor if you drive it any further. It's a great picture of what forgiveness and being washed clean by God is like. It. This is not a gloomy psalm. Um, I think so often we don't think so much about confessing because we think it's something that's going to spoil the mood. But actually, it's the heart of what we are and facing up to what is wrong. Do you notice that David here uses at least four different words for the different types of problems? So he talks about transgressions, which I think we could probably define as breaking a rule, not keeping a commandment doing directly what God has told us not to do or doing what he's told us we shouldn't do. So that's transgression. And then there's sin, which means striving to do something but failing, missing the mark, not being the person God intended you to be, not helping that person as much as you could or walking by on the other side. And that is another part of that. And then there's the whole idea of guilt. And the idea of guilt, which is about uncleanness at the center of our lives. That's another part of the problem, the guilt caused by sin and transgression. And then the last one is deceit, where we pretend that all is well and that everything is good and, and we really don't need to sort of bother about anything. So it's those four things that are our problem as people. And this becomes, as you see, not a psalm of misery, but a psalm of rejoicing. A psalm of rejoicing for when it's gone and it's over and we can have a close relationship with God. David describes it as a relationship, so he's thinking about a horse. You see, I'm absolutely sure that when Tina rides her horse, she only has to sort of think that the horse has to go to the right and pretty much. They turn to the right, and you see, but if I was to be dri- uh, driving, <laughs> that shows how good a rider I am, um, if I was to be riding the same horse, I'd probably have to yank the poor thing around on the reins, and then it might or might not go in that direction. So it, that's what it's talking about, that we are so close after we've been made clean, that we're so close to God's will that we just know where the way that God wants us to move, um, and things are better than before, and things are good. And what we need to be doing this morning is to be trusting the Lord with everything, our darkest thoughts and our darkest worries. And then we will find his tender love completely surrounding us. So let's just confess now to God, and let's just spend some time on our own, just in our minds, just bringing to God the things that we know where we have done wrong, where we've missed the mark, where we feel guilty inside and where we feel we've been deceitful. And let's just bring those to God and spend a couple of moments in quiet personal prayer. And now we can celebrate and sing some of those words in that uh, psalm. And so let's sit and sing, You are my hiding place and the steadfast love of the Lord. And let's uh, shout for joy and sing. Let's stand. going to reflect and pray and the passage we're going to reflect on is Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 to 15. Matthew 6 and verses 5 to 15. This comes right at the uh, center of the um, Sermon on the Mount. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father sees what is, do- what is done in secret and will re- reward you. And when you pray... And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you give forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. but if you do not forgive people their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'd just like to read that little part again in uh, Tom Wright's translation. And this is a full translation, not just a paraphrase. When you pray, you mustn't be like play actors. They love, to, stand, they love pre- to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners so that people will notice them. I'm telling you the truth. They have their reward in full. No, when you pray, go into your own room. Shut, your, shut the door and pray to your father who is there in secret. And your father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, don't pile up a jumble heap of words. That's what the Gentiles do. They reckon that the more they say, the more likely they are to be heard. So don't be like them. You see, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Yes, if you forgive people the wrong they have done, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, neither will your heavenly father forgive you what you have done wrong. Now, if you were there a couple of weeks ago, you will not easily uh, have wiped from your memory the lovely uh, reading that Martin did when he read uh, Shakespeare's Sonnet 29. And the third line of that, um, so where it starts, when in disgrace with fortune in men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state. And then this is the key line, and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries. You see, Shakespeare is saying, heaven is deaf. My prayers don't get higher than the ceiling. My bootless cries, there's no point. They're my worthless, useless cries. And so many people, when they talk about prayer, will say things like, well, it's just a waste of time. Your prayers don't go higher than the ceiling. But that's okay. That doesn't actually matter, because Father God is with us. And this tells us that Father God is there in secret when we go into our secret room and pray to him. Our Father sees us, and he knows our deepest thoughts and prayers and hopes, and he hears our words. And not only does he hear our words, but he hears those sort of thoughts that we can't even untangle enough to put into words, and he hears those. And he wants us to share those with him as well. So prayer is where God and us, where earth and heaven, where our private place and God's presence all mingle together and overlap. And it's an amazing thought, as I said at the beginning of the service. It's daring to think that the God of all creation, enthroned in glory, can be in our room, can be in this room. And the great prayer comes together and just echoes all those things. Uh, Breathtaking confidence, I would say, to call God Father. And the fact that the kingdom coming is both a prayer and a promise. So we're praying into God's promise that God's kingdom will come on on earth. We place our needs before him. And forgiveness is right at the heart of it. And rescue as well. Rescue in times of trial. So we pray about when we're being tried and tempted. Rescue in times of tribulation, when everything in the world and all around us, in our private world, seems to be uh, breaking down, and we can have rescue there as well. And we are not alone. And we can claim the victory. So let's uh, reflect And pray now together. And let's just pray for into different parts of God's world and uh, within our fellowship too. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you know what is in our thoughts and in our hearts You know what is spoken, you know what is unspoken, and you know what we can't even put into words, our deepest feelings. Lord, we thank you that you want to hear us and you want to answer us. And so, Lord, we do pray for our world, the world that Jesus came to and died for because he loved it so much. Lord, we pray that in all the different situations of the world, we would see your love and your justice. Father, we pray for the great rulers of the world. We pray that whether they know you and love you and follow you, or whether they've got a passing acquaintance with you or don't know you at all, Lord, that you would be controlling them, and helping them to be wise in their dealings. And Lord, we pray especially for our country at this time. And we pray for our Prime Minister and for the government at time at a time of great change. That they would have equal amounts of justice and mercy. Lord, we just pray that they would love and know truth at a time when truth seems to be becoming a scarce and an argued-over commodity. Father God, we pray for ourselves, and we thank you so much uh, for your healing hand upon George, and we thank you that he's back with us today. Lord, we thank you that you've made our bodies so that they our our built-in healing machines. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, however, for healing for people who don't seem to be getting better. And we pray that you would touch them especially closely. Lord, and we do pray particularly this morning for Jason and Claire out there in Zambia. We thank you for them as they're part of us. Pray that you'll just Keep them close to you. We thank you for the fellowship that they have, and we pray that they would never feel far distant from your love. And Father God, we bring all these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've reflected and confessed. We've reflected and prayed. And now, uh, in our sort of Lent time of reflection, uh, finally, we want to reflect and change. Let's have a look at Matthew 9, and we're looking at verses 9 to 17. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then, Jesus, then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people put new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are now, I don't know how you sort of get on with computers, and it's sort of interesting to think what our first, uh, your first brush with a computer was. For many, many people, it was a sort of this BBC wonderful sort of yellowy-brown computer that arrived in schools, uh, much to everyone's wonder, and was sort of unwrapped, and it was amazing, and it sort of had about one byte of memory, and uh, it was pretty... Stunning And uh, it was great. And sort of it wasn't all that long before, you know, that got superseded. And, but sort of at some point or other, we got to that point where thinking, do you know what? This computer I've got, maybe you found this around two year 2000, I don't know when. You sort of thought, this computer does every, pretty much everything I want it to do. I can get onto this wonderful thing called the Internet. I can uh, send emails, which I like doing. I can all my accounts if you like doing that sort of thing i can uh write letters with word and, and and this that and the other it's pretty good and it can save everything neatly and tightly and you sort of carry on you think you know I, I won't you know i won't need to get another computer and then it sort of slows down and you sort of hear of more things you can do with it and you think hmm i've got this clever man um that we've got a very clever man who comes and uh strange man but a very clever man who comes and fixes our computer and he sort of says well I could add a little bit more memory to this or I could sort of improve your drive whatever that might mean Um, and he could do all sorts sorts of things and you sort of might do one of those things and it sort of improves a teeny weeny weeny bit but really you need a new computer and then it sort of happens again in about five years time you sort of think I can't think why, you know, only us have bought this thing and it, it was the fastest thing you could ever get other than a Ferrari, you know, it's zipping along all the things and blah, 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 but actually it's got all gunked up for one thing and, you know, you can't really and things have moved on and I don't really understand, but anyway, so you, we need to get that sort of radical change because actually life moves on and Let's think about this whole business of these sort of, you know, that you, you can get the idea of the patch that, uh, the, the, you know, that, that shrinks and it pulls away the other things or the wine and the wineskins. You've sort of thought through those things, but we get tradi- attached to traditional ways of doing things, and this is telling us that we need to be radical in our change. We need a radical change. We need a challenge for each generation. What they had always been doing. The disciples found. What they'd always been doing. Wasn't adequate. For the new world. Well I'm still plowing through Spurgeon's sermon. You know. And there's sort of good interesting little bits in it. But you know. If someone got up and spoke like that. It would not reach a single person. That's The underlying truths are there. But the way that we put those out, just need to be changed. And again, with the doctor. So the doctor is not supporting the status quo. The doctor is not supporting the status quo of illness. The do- doctor is working with people who are unwell and making them into new places. And uh, he's re- so we, we, our job is to replace sadness with celebration. Now, in Lent, uh, we fast, perhaps, to remember the sorrow and sin in this world. But God is making everything new. And God is continuing to make everything new. God is a God who makes things new. So whereas it is absolutely true to say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, ever, and why it's right to say a creed of the unchangingness of God. The way that we uh, 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 communicate with other people has to be radical and has to be changing, and that is another message this Lent that we need to think about. And to finish today, I want to uh, bring two songs to you. And one is a children's song, and one is an old song. And I wonder if we could just have the words up of the first one, please, when I think about the cross. Um, There is... uh, Some of you will know this, and others um, uh, will not. Uh, There's a, a couple called Martin and Helen Johnson... Who many years ago, no, almost 25 years ago, set up a company called Out of the Ark Music, and it's been one of the most wonderful things that's ever been done in the country for bringing Jesus right into our schools. Um, not only have they written hundreds and thousands of fabulous songs, they've written so many nativities that... Almost every single nativity play that you see across the whole country is written by Martin and Helen Johnson, and it has just got a really strong, firm Christmas Christian message, and it's wonderful. Uh, on Wednesday this week at uh, Gracewood School, uh, uh, we all uh, went over to the church for our Ash Wednesday service, and it was a very, very moving service in, in many ways. And the children came up, and they there what they did there was that they could choose uh, not to have a cross put on them uh, stay where they were sitting if they wanted to or they could have it on the back of their hand or they could have it on their forehead um uh, as we had talked about the importance of confession and of the things we've done wrong and the fact that jesus can make us clean and as we gave that to them we just said jesus really loves you and gave them their name and it was great and um And then we sang this, and it's a great song, and we explained what it was about, and it was thinking about Jesus' death for us, and afterwards, um, some children had to get back to school very quickly to do something else, and I, I sort of took them ahead of the rest, and Nathan, who is a sort of boy he's that sort of boy who doesn't really come to school very much. I mean, he sort of would rather stay at home and mess about a bit. And his mum doesn't really mind that he stays at home and messes about a bit. And he sort of, if he does come to school, he messes about quite a lot, actually. And he said to me, he said, that song, that when I think about the cross, that's a great song, isn't it? And he said, I just can't get it out of my head. And he said, actually, the whole service was really good, wasn't it? And just sort of, Bring that to you and just think if you can get that same feeling about thinking about the cross and what Jesus has done for us. So, uh, perhaps if you could just play it through, Martin, you could sort of fit the words in in your mind, and then we'll sing it through twice. now we're really going to sing those that say those same words again we're going to uh just sing an old hymn uh that says the same thing so let's stand and sing when i survey the wondrous cross So for this week in Lent, uh, let's go out and be ready to just be in constant touch with God and just confessing where we've missed the mark so that we'll be in full relationship with him. And help us to become, this week, let's really try to be forgivers as Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer and help us to bring our prayers to him. And help us to be the sort of people who embrace change so that, we can meet, uh, so that we can meet more and more people and tell them about the joy of life in knowing God. And so let's pray to the prayers of the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.